0: Welcome once again to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van Tatenov, your host, and today is Monday, March 21st, and yet, once again, it's snowing. March is the snowiest month for Colorado, generally speaking, and today we're going to be talking about politics. The first part of the episode is going to be some soundbites that the town I reached out to the town and they graciously recorded some audio recordings of the town clerk and the town administrator just reading for your information a couple of the the ballot measures that we'll be voting on in the April 5th municipal election the first of which deals with Tabor and puts the question to the voters of whether the town shall be authorized to collect retain and spend or reserve all revenues it receives from all lawful sources. So Travis Mahalik, the town administrator, is going to go over that for us, just the legal side of it. And uh, the one we're going to be focusing on, actually it's two of them, is Resolutions 02-22 and 03-22. And these really are dealing with whether or not the town needs to spend money to put announcements and notices and such in the local newspaper, the newspaper of record. And we're going to go into that a little bit. The second half of this is going to be very much an editorial. It's going to be opinion. And I have some insights I think I'd like to share on this because I've worked for the paper and part of my job duties was, you know, putting the newspapers in every day to where we archive. So I I have some insights as to, how well that archive is maintained and how accessible it really is. And we're going to get into that in the second half here. The first half is just going to be these quick audio blurbs that the town has supplied us and it's just real basic. So let's get into that. The other thing I I I did I said in my last podcast that I was going to be talking about who I might be voting for and I think After thinking about it over the weekend, I was jumping the gun a little too much, that I really need to consider this a little bit more. And as we get closer to the election, I will certainly be doing that, but there's still three candidates. They're the incumbents that are already there that I haven't spoken to. And to be honest, I don't know them all that well. So I'm going to be reaching out and doing my best to try to, to connect with them. So that'll happen after I've spoken with everyone. I was just getting a little ahead of myself. I was excited. It happens. Um, some other big news just for me personally is that I had signed on with Skyhorse Publishing. I've kind of been holding out and saying who it was, but this is a major publisher. It's going to be... Um, tackling my book project, The Propagandist, and I need to have a first draft completed and in their hands by August 31st. So my writing schedule just got really, really busy. So I'm going to be cutting down on the amount of time that I do uh, the Colorado Switchblade. It'll probably be one to two episodes a week with some written articles sprinkled throughout just until I get the book out and get the publishing, you know, the publicity push out of the way. But just wanted to let you guys know this is a major, major step forward for me in my writing career, signing on with a major publisher. And they're kind of the mavericks in the publishing world. They're kind of uh, a little controversial. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think I fit right in. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surf that wave as far as I can go. So I just need to dedicate some time for that. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into these audio clips that we have.
1: Hello, I'm Jackie Williamson, town clerk for the town of Estes Park. I wanted to take a moment to remind the citizens of Estes Park that the next regular municipal election on tuesday april 5th 2022 will be held as a mail ballot election ballots will be sent to all active registered voters the week of march 14th ballots must be received by 7 p.m on election day and can be returned by mail at the new 24-hour drop box adjacent to Baum park or in person at the town clerk's office monday through friday 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and on election day, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The election will determine three trustee seats currently held by trustees Carly Banks, Marie Senek, and Scott Webermeyer. To learn more about the candidates running, you can visit the town's website to review the biographies and statements for each candidate at estes.org candidates. Also, during this election, the voters will consider two additional ballot questions to determine the legal publication methods of ordinances and bills and one Tabor ballot issue. The Town Board of Trustees approved resolutions 0222 and 0322, which are available for review on the town's website, setting ballot questions to ask the voters one. If the town can publish ordinances approved by the town board in the newspaper by title only rather than publishing the full text of the ordinance and instead providing that text on the town's website for review. Two, to eliminate the publication of bills and statements concerning contracts and rebates in the newspaper and continue the current practice of placing these documents on the town's website and records portal. Voters who do not subscribe to the Newspaper of Record and those who are comfortable with the town's method of noticing adopted ordinances and bills on its website can vote in favor of the two questions. The town has developed a robust website and document management system. This database is free to all and allows users to search and retrieve official minutes, ordinances, resolutions, and current and previous town board meeting material at any hour of any day in perpetuity. Also printing copies of public records are available by request at the town clerk's office in town hall. Voters can vote in favor of these two questions if they want the associated newspaper printing costs redirected to other priorities. The annual financial savings vary from year to year and increase significantly when the town adopts large code changes. Based on the newspaper's advertising rate over the past few years, the savings would be approximately $6,000. The time it takes staff to coordinate these items for print with the newspaper can be redirected to other priorities if these ballot questions are approved. This can be up to 45 minutes per ordinance with the town averaging approximately 30 ordinances per year. Again, this information is available at the town clerk's office and on the town's website, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. For more information on the election, please visit the town's website at estes.org elections. Call the town clerk's office at 970-577-4777, or visit the town clerk's office in room 130 in town hall. And please remember to vote.
2: My name is Travis Mihalik. I'm the town administrator for the town of Estes Park. I will be reading from a fact sheet prepared regarding the use restrictions on town revenue that will be voted on at the April 5th, 2022 town of Estes Park municipal election. Voters in the April 5th municipal election will decide if the town government's existing tax revenue should be used without restriction for community priorities. Additional election information can be found at www.estis.org backslash elections. The Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, TABOR, is a 1992 constitutional amendment that imposes limits on state and local government revenue growth and retention. TABOR allows voters to change some of its restrictions. Through a process known as debrucing, voters can allow local governments to retain increased revenue from increased economic activity and use it to fund government operations. In 2000, Estes Park voters chose to partially debruce, authorizing the town to use revenues in excess of TABOR limits for capital asset acquisition, maintenance, and repair. Other services provided by the town are ineligible for these funds and will see an increasingly restrictive effect beginning in 2023. The town expects to have significant cash available for some eligible projects and capital construction and maintenance services, while funds for ineligible critical services and operations elsewhere will be reduced. Jobs may be affected by the end of the decade. Without an increase to property tax rates, the ballot question would remove the 5.5% annual levy law limitations, which limit property tax revenue growth to 5.5% regardless of changes to the assessed valuations of taxable property. The limitation caused the town to forego $29,447 in revenue in 2021.
0: All right. So there are the little sound blurbs that we got from the town. And I want to say thank you to them again. So let's just go over kind of the the summary and the uh, the pros and cons about this topic. And then I also want to talk about an opinion piece and touch on some things that happened with the, the uh, local newspaper here. But first of all, let's just go over this. So voters in the April 5th municipal election will decide on two questions related to the method of legal publication of ordinances and bills. The first ballot question will propose that the town may discontinue the full text newspaper publication of ordinances passed by the town board. Instead, the town will Only be required to publish the title in the newspaper, with the full text placed on the town's website, which is www.ss.org, and its uh, records portal, which is just slash records portal on the end of that. Uh, The second ballot question will propose that the town eliminate the publication of bills and statements concerning contracts and rebates in the newspaper and continue the current practice of placing these documents on the town's website and records portal as well. So, some of the arguments for this are voters can vote in favor of these two questions if they want the associated newspaper printing costs redirected to other priorities Uh, The annual financial savings vary from year to year and increase significantly when the town adopts large code changes. Based on the newspaper advertising rate over the past few years, the savings would be approximately $6,000. And that kind of, you know, uh, ebbs and flows and, and gets bigger and smaller depending on how many resolutions they have during a given period. So voters can vote in favor of these two questions if they want the time it takes staff to coordinate the items for print with the newspaper redirected to other priorities. This can be up to 45 minutes per ordinance. And I'm reading to you from the, uh, the publication that the town put out, and it's called reconsidering legal publication methods. And you can find it on the website in the elections section. I, I'll put a link into the, uh, the notes of this episode so this can be up to 45 minutes per ordinance for employees of town. For example, for an annual average of 30 ordinances, this information is already available in person and on the town's website. For voters who do not subscribe to the newspaper of record, and let's face it, newspapers are going out of print everywhere. They are all moving to digital. As a matter of fact, the and just down in Fort Collins just got rid of their Saturday printed edition. And we're going to talk about that and the state of local journalism a little bit, but let's get through this first. Uh, Voters who do not subscribe to the newspaper record and those who are comfortable with the town's method of noticing adopted ordinances and bills on its website can vote in favor of the two questions. The town has developed a robust website and document management system. The database is free to all and allows users to search and retrieve official minutes, ordinances, resolutions, and current previous town board meeting material at any hour of the day in perpetuity. Printed copies of the public records are available by request at the town clerk's office and town hall as well. So the cons to this are, um, and this is again off the town of Essex Parks uh, pros and cons sheet, Members of the public who subscribe to the newspaper and rely on the legal notices section of the newspaper would no longer find the full text of ordinances, only the titles or bills and contract-related statements there. If the measures passed, there would be a financial impact to the newspaper of record in the town, which is, is fairly minimal. And I think what we need to do is look at how much the, the newspaper, and specifically the, the company that owns the paper, really invests back into the town. Some members of the public may believe that the full text of ordinances will be more reliable if it's provided in the newspaper to be printed rather than posted publicly on the town's website. So in an editorial that was published back on March 11th on the Essence uh, Park Trail Gazette, the publisher, Michael Romero, uh, used to be my boss, is really arguing in favor of keeping things the way they are and talks about how the the... Uh, Paper has provided service dating back to 1921 and provided copies for both the library and museum to ensure history, which is great, but has really nothing to do with what we're talking about. Really, what we're talking about is the accessibility of these records. And there was one quote in particular out of this that really, really challenged me. And, you know, he's talking about what that's. What's at the heart of the issue is the transparent accountability of a free press provides to the public of government actions. And I think that we're still going to have that here. He goes on to say maybe in 40 to 50 years, a local newspaper won't still be in the most reliable source to easily access information. I hope not, he says. But the technology of younger generations is trending that way. I do not know that we are there yet, especially in Estes Park. Now, that I take great exception with because the technology has been there for, I don't know, a decade, longer. It's there. And that's the world we're living in. Um, We're no longer in the world that Mike recounts as when he started back when he was seven years old selling papers in Santa Fe on the steps of the Capitol building. We are now in the world where local newspapers, including our own, are owned by huge conglomerate hedge funds that do not care about reinvesting into the local community, and they they have just slashed local newsrooms, including our own. We used to have a fairly significant newsroom here in town, we are down to one publisher, one editor, one lead reporter who lives an hour out of town, and one salesperson. That's it. And they they're not willing to invest any more in that. And really, what we got to do is is look at the company that owns them. So they're they're really owned by a cascade of several companies that owns the Trail Gazette, starting with. Prairie Mountain Media, which Digital First Media owns, which is Media News Group Enterprises Incorporated, doing business as Digital First Media. A Denver-based newspaper publisher, which is in, in, in the end at the top level owned by Alden Global Capital, which is one of the most notorious hedge fund newspaper owners in the world. I mean, it, it, when they talk about the term vulture fund, that's what they're talking about because really they're just feeding off the last little remains of a dying industry that they possibly can, in my opinion. And again, this is this whole piece, this whole second half is my opinion. So Media News Group is a known cost cutter in the news industry with a reputation for buying smaller local newspapers and slashing jobs. Many journalists formerly employed by the group have said that the group's focus is on profits to the detriment of good journalism. That's according to an article entitled There Are Two Sides to This Publisher's Story by Joseph Men in the LA Times back from March 22nd of 2006. Again, at the top of this hierarchy is Alden Global Capital, which has a well-deserved reputation of cutting costs by dramatically reducing the number of journalists working at their papers. This policy can be seen at work here in Estes Park. And um, yeah, I mean, there are at one time The the Trail Gazette employed three advertising positions, six reporters, a photographer, along with the editor and publisher. The Washington Post has said Alden is one of the most ruthless of the corporate strip miners, seemingly intent on destroying local journalism. The editorial staff has then called out these practices at the Denver Post. Yes, the Denver Post is also owned by the Alden Group who described their owners as vulture capitalists after multiple staff layoffs. That was, that was who coined that term. It was their own employees who, you know, went on to do better things with the Colorado sun and such. So really we've got to ask, do we want our public record in the end held in the hands of a company that has been termed by its own employees as vulture capitalists, I, I, I don't know if they truly have the best intentions at heart. And as well intentioned as our local employees may be that work for the, the paper of record, I don't know if they they hold the, the final say in things. I really don't believe they do, but that that's not a question for me. That's for someone else. Um, the other thing I would like to go on is just that let's talk about the technology that goes into securing something like a town website and the the database there. Um, because we're going to be talking about accessibility and, and just safety for preserving these documents. Um, you know, it's an accountability issue. And I think that there's a lot of obvious misinformation about how that technology works and how robust it is. So I reached out to the town to, to see if they could kind of Fill us in on exactly what they're doing there. Um, and we've got a great town public information officer, Kate Roush, and she was able to get me some information on this. So the town maintains dedicated servers for the document management system that powers its online public records portal. The system is a product of the software company Laserfish. These are servers that are continuously replicated off site, backed up daily to multiple storage locations and backed up periodically to an offline storage device. All the town's network sits behind multiple firewalls which are penetration tested. All town computers and servers have antivirus and anti-malware software installed. The entire town network is scanned with multiple applications for potential vulnerabilities. As far as controls for staff usage, they have a select team of content managers who have secure authenticated access only to their specific work areas to upload documents. All staff actions are tracked by the system and the system administrators must provide final approval before any files are deleted by a user such as duplicates or outdated versions. Laserfish is a subscription that costs a town approximately $10,000 annually. This is a small cost to pay for a comprehensive transparency effort that the town feels our community deserves from its local government, says the the message that I got back. And, you know, I've got to say that I I trust digital format a lot more these days. I think uh, recent events have really proven that physical archives especially if located say in an office next to a river or you know coming down a corridor that that may have then been subject to wildfire very recently you know we all got very lucky as a community with the wildfires and 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 everything that we go through as far as natural disasters go that are Our archives and our museums and and whatnot haven't been wiped out. We need to consider that that's a very real possibility these days with the way the climate is changing and the way that our fire seasons and, and, and flooding are now evolving from where they once were. It was a different world at one point, and now we have a new world, one where having multiple storage redundancy makes sense. And the technology is there. It's been there for a long time. Maybe if you're not connected in with technology all that much, it may seem like it's it's 50 years out from here. But in 50 years, we're going to be on Mars, folks. We're not going to be, you know, just coming to the point where we can rely on uh, in the cloud backup and 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 digital document redundancy. That's already here. It's been here. And that's the way things are moving. We also need to look at you know, is the newspaper going to still be feasible as the owners of the company continue to, to on their, their projected path, which all we have to do is look at what they've done with other newspapers that they own to see where that most likely is going to end up. So I think we're at a crossroads in this world now where we either embrace building a new world that is adequate and, and, and made for where we are now and not one that may be on its deathbed. We need to really consider where we are now. And the fact is you can access the database for the town records at any given point. You don't, it, it doesn't cost anything. You just have to be able to connect to the internet, which you can do through your, your cell phone, um, your home computer, and you can pull up any of those records. Now that's a different story. If you actually wanted to go retrieve records from the newspaper, which at this point in time and hasn't for a couple of years now, held office hours. There are no receptionists. There are no, there's no one there to take your calls if you're trying to get a record and to go down and look at them. I you. It's really. I will be surprised if it happens in a timely manner. Also, I would question just the state of the archive. I've seen how having so little monetary resources has affected where that archive is and and how it's maintained of the, the physical papers there. And I would question whether that is reliable. You know, you can access from the Trail Gazette's website. I think, I do believe you can access records there, but that that's records of newspapers. It's, I, I, it's not a database it's made and maintained specifically for, for containing these records. It's just a a record of the articles, which, you know, in the end, I don't know if I trust Alden Global to be the ones to, to, to champion keeping those records intact as as the business world evolves. I do believe the town is going to do a really good job of making sure there are are balances and checks and there are people in town that are going to question that and they're going to call it out if there is a problem. There isn't just a newspaper of record doing that. So that's my opinion on this. I really feel that this is an outdated policy and it, it really just calls out to really where we are in the industry of local journalism here in Esses Park and across Colorado and across the country. It's a major issue that's affecting thousands and thousands of of people who have worked for newspapers, journalists, writers, editors, um, you know, graphic designers, photographers. And unfortunately the only people that have really made out are the, the owners, the hedge fund owners, everyone else has suffered in my opinion, um, in the way things have gone. And I don't trust. I do not trust those types of of business models to to safeguard our data. I think we need to really step into the new world and build something new. That's just my two cents. So that's gonna be the episode for today. Um, and uh, I've got some some things that are not so political coming up. Um, I've got some interviews scheduled with. Um, if you've been watching the the local uh, Facebook groups, um, there are some kids, some skater kids here in town that are looking to revitalize the skate park, which originally started off as like a high school project. Um, you know, a lot of people think it, it was originally funded by the city, but it's something that had, especially over the pandemic, has degraded and just become kind of an eyesore and we have such a great community of of young skaters including my daughters um and and so many tourists that come through um skateboarding it's just it's part of our culture here in colorado and we've got some kids that are are taking it on themselves to try and improve that and try to to make it one of those hidden gems of Estes park so we're going to be talking with them and uh, a few other things so stay tuned and uh I will keep you updated as to when uh, those will be. Thanks for joining in today. You've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm Jason Van Tatenhove, and I'll talk with you soon.